So I try to think of myself as my seven-year-old self and approach the movement freely like a child first. This is Brian Paris with Sounds of Berkeley. Today I'm talking with dancer and choreographer Ebony Williams, who reached iconic status dancing side-by-side with Beyonce in the video for her 2009 smash, Single Ladies, and has worked regularly with the Queen Bee since, including on her Formation Tour and her 2016 Super Bowl performance. Williams has also appeared in major films and TV shows and was the first African-American female to join the famed Cedar Lake Contemporary Ballet Company. A 2005 graduate of Boston Conservatory at Berkeley's Contemporary Dance Program, she's trained in classical and contemporary styles and fuses her training with her personality to create a memorable style all her own. She was recently on campus to be honored with a 2019 Berkeley Alumni Achievement Award. Ebony, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. Um, so I, I'd love to hear just a little bit about what brought you to dance, you know, and that could that could be anything, a sort of memorable experience or um, a time when you realized this wasn't just a thing that you love doing and would do when you could, but it was like, no, no, this is a, this is a path. This is a career. This is something I, I have to go after. I think I've had several moments of that. I, I think as an artist, you always feel like you have to reinvent yourself. So it, it always kind of comes back in, but um, I quit dancing when I was younger. I, I quit at 13 and started again at 19. Mm. I decided I wanted to be a normal kid again. I didn't want those, the regimen of having dance six days a week. And I had a little bit of trauma through dance that kind of pushed me away from it for a little while. So I went to school to Quincy College and I wanted to take prerequisites to become a physical therapist. So I, I remember being in either a math class or some, some class. And um, I sat by the window every day because it was just something that I needed. And a car goes by and music is playing. And I just started moving. And the girl behind me was so irritated with me. It was hilarious. She was like, um, I can't see with your head bobbing like that. I'm trying to pay attention. I was totally distracting her. But it was a moment when I was like, okay, I know I said I didn't want dance, but I feel like it's choosing me. And um, maybe I should investigate going and getting back into it. And then I I met up with a, a dance teacher that I had when I was a kid, Fernadina Chan. Um, well, through high school, like I would go to talent shows, but I wouldn't necessarily always be a part of them. And she's someone who remembered seeing me move. And she was a teacher at Boston Arts Academy at the time. And she says, you know, you should be doing this. I, I'm completely confused why you're not dancing. So she gave me the information to the Boston Conservatory told me I should audition and I took a risk and I said okay I'm not going to go back to school to Quincy College next year I'm going to audition and I got in and stepping into that room I remember feeling a fire in me for the first time I felt like myself like Ebony Williams truly and um, yeah it was the beginning of me wanting this again you know Um, and then I think it happened again (laughs) When uh, my mom gave me tickets to see Janet Jackson perform, I mean, this is Janet Jackson, okay? 
I was like, I have to go see her. She was at, so it was called the Fleet Center then and she was performing. And I remember just standing in the audience and seeing her and her dancers and feeling this wave come over me and I couldn't sit still. And I just, I started to even envision myself on that stage with them. So um, that was another moment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's really cool. And it, it, I love both of those moments because it's not a moment where you're, actually really doing the dancing you're not like practicing or you're not at a gig or something they're both things where it's like music kind of calling to mm -hmm. you which is really cool mm -hmm. so i wonder what what was that like did you have a, a moment a, a kind of like 180 experience where you're at something like the fleet center and you're performing um did you do you have that kind of out-of-body experience to be like i pictured this and here it is i mean do you have a, a memory like that or all the time it's uh, one of the main moments was Super Bowl um, and seeing the stands and how full and packed they were. It's completely, completely nerve wracking, but also so fulfilling. Um, and then also one, another time when we were on tour and it was a lot of uh a lot happening in the world you know a lot of the bombings were going on and things like that and people just not really understanding and being on the same wavelengths from different cultures and things like that and um i just remember us performing and uh the audience were in like i think we were in germany or, or france actually probably it was more like france and some of these people probably didn't even speak english but they knew every word to every song and it was like the space where you bridge the gap between people that come from different cultures, don't necessarily agree on the same religion, things like that. But yet and still somehow this art form um, brings us together. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. And it, it kind of bridges perfectly into a question I had for you, which was, how do you how do you prepare for experiences like this? Sarah, you were talking, I think, about the Formation Tour, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Beyonce's uh, 2016 mm -hmm. tour and, and the Super Bowl um, ha halftime performance. Um, so, and then you also mentioned the concert world, too. So, how do you go about preparing for, for things that can be really different, whether that's something with, uh, you know, with ballet or a concert tour with Beyonce or just, I mean, how do you go about sort of getting yourself ready, both mentally and physically and just a kind of whole body in that sense to kind of keep yourself present for, I mean, very different demands, you know, from project to project. Um, well, I think training is number one every day. I'm um, getting up and I'm making sure that my body's in the best shape um, that it can be in. It doesn't mean I'm, like worrying about being super skinny or like weight. I don't mean that. I mean more like just making sure that my body is ready for anything and in Ebony Williams' best shape, um, staying active so that I'm not fatigued when I'm in any of these settings. But I also feel like it's a bit like they say with uh, having a child, like you don't, you're never really ready, you know? You just, you just, you kind of, become a chameleon and make sure that you're available and open to learning and failing as you go you know that's the best form of um, education is failure and I've done that a lot too guys <laughs> <laughs> I've fallen and but the most important part of it is getting back up so I think um, that 
is surely um, a great preparation is taking risks um, on top of staying with training and making sure you're super versatile in whatever you're doing, whether you're a singer and uh, singer songwriter or a dancer or actor. Yeah. So a lot of that feels kind of like self-teaching, you know, in, in some ways. And I, I it makes me think of sort of the role of education in general. And I know that you've taught in the past for the conservatory's um, summer dance program mm-hmm. and that you offer a lot of your, your own teaching and workshop experiences too in kind of a, a number of different classes. What led you to, to do that? What, what sort of put the fire in you to, uh, to be a teacher? One of the reasons is it's, it reminds me of why I do it. You know, um, it keeps me grounded. It um, keeps the, f- the fire in me, the passion in me, because I see it through these kids, the hunger in them. That's what keeps you going. That's what started me here. And um, I don't want to lose that because as soon as I lose that or nervousness, that's the day that I quit because that means I don't care as much. So um, I do it for that. But also I built a, this business can also bring a lot of trauma. Um, you one thing that I want to start to promote heavily is camaraderie for artists, especially women are competing every day. So for me, it's it's important to bring them all in one room and, and give them a space where they feel supported and safe and like they can do all of the things like take risks so that once they are on the stage or in this world and in this business, they don't lose that because those are the things that also make them great is the fact that they are willing to fall and fail. Um, and that's also what brings out the uniqueness in them is because it's how you stand up, you know. So I want to really promote that in most of my workshops and stuff like that. And we're in a different era, too, or generation where it's all about, you know, Instagram and social media and um, recording themselves on camera. And all of that stuff can really overshadow the important part of it, which is being in the moment, you know. You don't necessarily have to go back and press rewind to really remember. Um, so uh, I really want to give them space to live in the moment. That's really cool. And that really embodies a lot of the things you've already talked about and just in terms of balance and sort of how to find it with your own way and mm-hmm. kind of teach that and pay it forward. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really cool. Do you have, what's your, what's your most popular workshop? Is there is there one that just always fills up super fast or is there maybe one that like you particularly enjoy? Um, yeah, well, I started a program called Live with my best friend, Olivia Chipola. Um, and I love this specific workshop that we created. And it's mainly because, again, it's about camaraderie, um, but not just amongst women um, or just dancers. It's it's open to actors and singers as well. So that, um, as you know, you may know, um, I kind of transitioned into the musical theater world. So I'm now singing and acting and dancing now, which voice for me is not my first (laughs) it's not like natural to me it's something that you know I can hold a note I drop it and I pick it up yep but (laughs) I mean just being real yeah but um I had to learn how to navigate the fear of that and part of that was through um the relationships I built with my fellow colleagues in the musical in, in the musical um and so in the musical rehearsals I had to rely on getting their support where I don't read music, none of that. So I'm I'm creating voice memos so that I can go back and memorize things. And then I'm relying on my friend next to me to like 
go back and, and sing that note for me one more time, you know? Um, and then even with acting, it's something that comes a little bit more natural, but that's part of, it's partly because dancing has acting elements in it as well. Um, but Live is a place where I have actors, singers, dancers in one room, and they're all, they'll all be for half of the day learning contemporary dance and hip hop and um and vogue maybe or break dancing whatever we're offering in that particular uh, workshop but then an hour later they're in voice class and now the dancers are feeling uncomfortable and now the the singers have to help support them and then there's acting on, on camera acting classes and Things like that. So basically, they're always in a place where they're feeling a little bit insecure and somebody else has to help support them mm. so that they can get through it and vice versa. It goes like that throughout the entire day. And we also offer nutrition and um, business classes and um, having casting agents and and people like that give them more information about what they should expect once they are out of the schooling and the educational process of things and getting into transitioning into it professionally um, so that they're more aware and they understand that it's you're always a student forever <laughs> number one and um, the work never stops you're also all your own manager you're also your own nutritionist you're, you know your own therapist it's um, all of those things kind of combined in one workshop so yeah great well sign me up i'm, I'm ready you are definitely <laughs> although i think welcome. i would yeah i'd be i'd be the student in in all parts of that i, I think that that would be that that's would be even nice better it's even better yeah no that's that's really cool and i love that idea that it, that those roles change throughout the day that people are able to see kind of strengths and 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 then have to lean on other people so that student and teacher role kind of flips around a bit which is kind of i mean sort of your own experience and how you kind of managed to go back through that well i think one of the one of the last things i want to talk to you about is just the idea of storytelling and dance and sort of how it and you know as you said now you're kind of working in musical theater too so this kind of connects to that as well but there's a there's a quote um from you on your website in which you say that that you love to speak through your body and that that's your form of expression and that got me thinking a lot about how you might approach dance as a form of storytelling. So not something that's just there to reflect the lyrics or reflect the music itself or something like that, but to kind of be its own extension, its own form of, of that story, even if in its own way. And I wonder just if you had thoughts on that, kind of like when you're either preparing a dance or taking part in one that's been planned or something and you're, you have to get into it the way an actor would have to get into a script. Um, what that's like for you kind of to embody the story and to kind of get into it and, and how you use dance as like a form of storytelling? Um, well, it's great because it changes all the time. It um, depends on who you're working with as a choreographer. Um, and surely commercial dance is completely different with co than concert dance. And commercial dance, as you said, it's kind of like uh, the music has the lyrics that support the movement. Um and so you're basically also telling someone else's story, you know, because now music is also storytelling in its own right. It's about the artist and their vision and, and what they want to set forth into the world. So um, when I'm doing that, it's it's 
more about telling their story, of course. Now with a, with a concert dance choreographer, I feel like uh, they do also have a story, but they expect you to bring it to life in a way that still stays within the boxes and the framework of what their vision is, but yet you still have a lot of room to play and create and make it your own. That's what's so wonderful about concert dance for me. Um, and it's also what helps me with memory, with mm. remembering the steps as well. Like if someone gives me a port de bra, I think I'm giving and 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 sharing something. I'm thinking I'm I'm handing off presents, or I'll even name my character. Um, and sometimes it even starts there with giving the person a name, and or thinking about who the person is before they walk into the room, before you even, you know, before you even have, like often you go to these auditions and they give you sides or, and they give you a, a brief summary of who your character is, right? Um, and for me, if they say that this character is a waitress, right? Um, and she's been working at, say, Uno's for four years and um, she has two kids that maybe that's all the information that they gave you for me instead I say okay I'm a waitress I'm 22 years old my name is Rebecca I have two kids and I'm a single mother because so I think about all the things that happened before that and um with that comes the waves of all these feelings and expressions and emotions if if movement is a little bit more dynamic, then I find a way to find maybe anger that comes out to allow the attack to happen in the movement. Or if it's soft and supple, then um, maybe it's that I'm tired or um, I'm super vulnerable. Or So I find words and trigger things that help me uh, bring the story to life for myself. I hope this is answering your question. Oh, yes, because, definitely. Um, but if it's or if it's light and it's like a ballet and it's a petite allegro, then I'm joyous. I'm a, I'm a child again. And, and that's also super important. I always try to start and go into a rehearsal space and start with a choreographer or with a blank slate. Because if you bring in all the other things in the room, sometimes then it can get in the way. So I try to think of myself as my seven year old self and approach the movement freely like a child first so that there's no inhibitions there's nothing to stand in the way just completely naked so i guess that's kind of how i approach the acting portion of um and the storytelling of things i give myself tasks in order to make things come to life and make them relatable so that the people in the audience can find a bit of themselves in you um yeah yeah, and I love how that connects so well with what you were saying, even about how you prepare for different projects, too, that there is that, that nature of, of saying yes and then not thinking about it, you know, like this mm-hmm. idea of preparation, but also being open to mm-hmm. whatever might happen and just being able to play with it, you know, and to, and to, to get in there, as you said, of so your seven-year-old, seven-year-old self and just get excited. And then because you might find stuff there that, that you didn't know mm-hmm. that you could have prepared for, but... It's also so fascinating to hear 
just how holistic, again, kind of your preparation is when you're trying to connect to a movement or a piece and, and to think about a character and their backstory and that sort of thing. And, and that way it makes total sense that, you know, one of your favorite workshops is something that, <laughs> you know, brings all of those care, all those things into the, right. to the, to the category, you know, that you're looking at it in a kind of a 360 degree way. Um, I have to also, I mean, part of it is I give myself these tasks and all these little small tools because I have extreme anxiety. Otherwise, I get super nervous. I cry before every show, like, like, I mean, bawling. That's why I say, again, like when the day that I'm not nervous and I'm not in that corner crying and I have to take a bathroom break as well. The day that that's not happening is the day that I quit, you know, so that's just me being real, real, y'all, you know. We all get nervous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And to embrace it. That and it's to not, embrace it. Yeah. Totally. It's my routine. That's a part of, again, my routine. Right. So um, and now if I'm not crying before, I'm like stressed. Like, damn it. I didn't cry. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm getting too good at this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's almost more scary if, it's like you're, if you're not scared, right. right? That's something to be scared of. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's great. <laughs> well, this has been such a pleasure. And I wonder if there's, just to go out on, if there's a project or an experience or something coming up that you're really looking forward to, if you just tell us a little bit about it. Um. Well, I don't know if people heard, but Jagged Little Pill is supposed to be going to Broadway soon in the fall. So that is coming up. I'm also working on a movie that I can't say the name about yet. All right. Um, but I'm associate choreographer on this movie and, um, I will hopefully have a little small cameo. Um, but, uh, can't wear too many hats guys, but I have two projects that I'm super excited about and uh, a couple of other things one day at a time. Yep. You know? Yeah. But still so exciting and still very different things too. So Mm -hmm. such a, such a cool way to kind of just see how your career just takes you on all these amazing journeys from, from watching Janet to all these other places. Yes. So, well, thanks again uh, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Really. Come on, Berkeley, stand up. (laughs) Boss Conservatory. What's up? (laughs) And that's a wrap. This episode was recorded by Tony Brown in partnership with The Burn and engineered by Darcy Davis. I'm Brian Paris, and this is Sounds of Berkeley.